Christmas? Who do you give it to? Who do you not give it to? I'm, I, they, you know, there are some people that I give a present, one particular person I give a present to, not particularly because they're my friends, not particularly because I like them, but because I know they're going to give me a present. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be seen to be giving them, not, not to be giving them a present, or maybe one of these days I better be honest. You know, we often have a desire, don't we, to return the favour, to be generous to those who are generous to us. Sometimes if we don't even like them all that much. But if we're only ever inviting back the people or giving out gifts and things like that to the people that give things to us, I think we've missed the heart of Christianity and what it's all about. You know, Christians Against Poverty, which we call ourselves CAP, we partner with churches to meet with the people that are on the edge of the society, people who are suffering, people who are going through really, really difficult times, people who, to be honest, wouldn't always darken the doors of our churches. And that's the sort of work we do. We provide life-changing practical support for them. Now, I've been working with CAP for about eight years now. I retired from my job as a teacher and I've been working with them. And we, there are several things we do uh, in the CAP family. Uh, the main thing that we started, and is still our main thing, is we run a debt centre where people can come to us for free, impartial advice. And one of the things that we do is we actually go and visit them in their homes uh, and actually take our faith with us which is one of the brilliant things. It's one of the, I mean, there are some fantastic other organisations around who are very good at debt advice, and you'll get good, in, in, you know, good help from all of them. But I think the thing that marks out Christians against poverty, as I say, is we go into people's house as Christians. Now, we don't force our faith on anybody. Right? If someone's not interested in our faith, uh, then, then that's fine. But we almost always offer people prayer when we go into their homes. And it's very few people who will not accept someone praying for them. I had a lady who was an atheist once. And I said to her, I said, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, I'll have all the help that's going, please. <laughs> I've prayed for Buddhists. I've prayed for um, Hindus. Um, I've, I've prayed in the name of Jesus over spiritualists. You know, because, you know, you might say, well, how can you do that? But one of the things, they've got to know the presence of God is real. And unless we bring it forward to them in prayer, how will they ever know that? So it's a brilliant thing that, and, you know, through the years that I've been working, one of the things we've, there were two things we've done, really, in terms of our faith. And that is, one thing is that we've, um, you know, brought a few people to faith, through what we've done, but we've also rescued a few of God's lost children, you know, who've, who've, you know, for all sorts of reasons have gone astray and things have gone wrong for them. And because they're all Christians against poverty, I'll get in touch with them. And, uh, and we've been able to restore them. In fact, just last week, uh, I was talking with a lady that was visiting and uh, uh, saying, you know, she was wanting to get her children back into something for Sunday school. I was able to refer her to a local church where they were doing a special summer thing. And, and as far as I know, she went. And that's the sort of thing that we do. We're actually there working with people. Now, I want to talk about this morning about Jesus' approach to generosity. 
Now, how, again, it's an interesting thing. I've hardly ever heard this particular passage preached on uh, in my life. But uh, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 14. I'm going to start at verse 7. So you can turn your Bibles on if you've got them on there. You want to read it like that. But then you think, which parable are you talking about? This is the parable that we're going to talk about, the occasion I'm going to talk about. Jesus noticed how the guests picked the place of honor at the table. And he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a lunch or dinner... Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they might invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind and you will be blessed. That make a difference to your Saturday morning uh, men's breakfast, won't it? Uh, I love men's breakfast, but, but when you do it, invite them and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So to set the scene, Jesus is dining in the house of an important Pharisee. Now this guy has invited all his friends. They all know the pecking order and they're all jostling for the best place at the table. And the Pharisees' culture in that day would have been to invite the social, to invite the important people, those who might reciprocate, those who could help them climb that social ladder. But Jesus tears this notion apart. He turns around and he embarrasses the Pharisee in front of all his friends. He told them how he should have organized the party, inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. And Jesus has this double sort of um, thing here. He's not just thinking of the physical needs. He's also thinking of the spiritual needs of the people. When he's talking about a a feast or a a meal, it's often a code for the kingdom of God. And he's making the point that this is how God's kingdom works. You know, there's a human way of loving that's always just keeping count. You give it to me, I'll give it to you. But there's a God way of loving which is relentlessly generous. Can I say that again? There's a human way of loving which is just, I give to you, you give to me. But there's a God way of loving which is relentlessly generous and this is the love that we see in Jesus. And that's the love he's talking about and he's demonstrating here. So if God is relentlessly generous in his love for us, how should we respond? Well, obviously we could and we should love him back, and that's what we've been doing this morning. We've been, we've been worshipping, we've been loving him. We say, thank you, Jesus, for all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. But then he encourages us to involve ourselves in a life of generosity, especially to those who find themselves struggling, isolated and overlooked. 
So, I mean, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus loved meals. You often find Jesus turning up at a feast, at a wedding, or something like that. He often turned up like that. And he uses it to describe the kingdom of God. You know, at that time, many of the Jews were kind of expecting that uh, when the Messiah came, that there would be a great banquet. They looked at verses such as Isaiah 25, 6, which says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. But the Pharisees, those very religious people, had this idea of who was going to be there, and it was going to be them because of all the good works they'd done. They had a confident expectation of their presence at this heavenly table. But Jesus' point is that God's kingdom doesn't work that way. Who comes to his table? The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, those who are not to put to shame the things that are. You can't find your way to the heavenly table with sharp elbows and social climbing. You can't assume you're going to get into heaven because of your behavior or who your parents were. The kingdom of heaven is a free gift. Amen? It's a free gift. None of us deserve it. None of us. Not one of us, whether you've been Christian for two minutes or two hours or two days or two, two years or 200 years away, you, you can't, you, you know, in the good works you've done, none of those things qualify you. But the good works we do are an outflow of the things that God has done in us and God for us. But everybody, especially the poorest, are welcomed at the heavenly table. Now, I know as a church, you're outward looking. I, I looked on your website and I saw you're supporting, obviously it was an orphanage in Pakistan. I hope they're all right with all the floods and everything because obviously it's, it's, it's a thing like that. You, you do all of that sort of thing. You support Elim missions. You support the, the, uh, the persecuted church and you give to your local food bank, which is absolutely all these things brilliant. Can I just add another thing that you may or may not wish to consider? Because right now, we are seeing the greatest financial crisis in our country for years, aren't we? I mean, I'm sure there are some people here who think, I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know because of the, how the things are going along. You know, they've said it on the television, I've seen it. It's the choice between heating and eating. And that's what we do with Christians Against Poverty. We are anxiously giving ourselves, anxious is the wrong word, but avidly giving ourselves to help people who are in situations like that, to be able to help them through. Now, so, so let me just to, to, to give you the, the, the typical sort of idea of what happens when somebody uh, comes to us, that they... Um, they will contact our national helpline. We have a national helpline, and they'll be put in touch with the nearest centre to us. And there are some leaflets at the back that, that if any of you are in that situation today and you want to, be, to want to receive some help from us, then you can take one of these leaflets. Now, it's actually one of the ones I use because I come from North Hertfordshire. We come from Hitchin, and uh, so these are one of my leaflets. But the, 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 the details are the same. Uh, you can take one of these leaflets. Uh, if you are in trouble yourself, like that. And what we'll do, we'll come to your house. 
We always come and visit you in your home and we'll start the process of finding out what the most appropriate way of getting you out of debt is. And then just to make it clear, when I go into the things, I'm not the financial expert, all right? I'm, I was a school teacher, I taught chemistry, I didn't teach... Uh, I loved explosions, but I wasn't much good on numbers. So, um, but the, but the, the, so we will, so I have a team of experts in our headquarters at Bradford. So what will happen, I will come and find out all the details of that particular person's situation. I will then convert them up back up to headquarters, and the, the experts at headquarters will then uh, work out, come back and say, this is the most appropriate way for you to get out of debt, and we will deal with the person as, as best as we possibly can. And, you know, people do. They, they respond to us. There was a lady called Leslie just recently. She just she sent me a letter. She said, you know, you really were heaven sent to see me through the situation. And then, then, and then after she wrote that, she actually rang up because the, the, the bailiffs were still chasing her. And the bailiffs shouldn't have been chasing her. They should have, been, should have realized they weren't. And I was able to help her with all of that sort of thing. We build a relationship with the clients that we deal so what does it mean in practice? How does it, how does it all work? Well, I want to, sh to, to show you a little video, uh, which is a, uh, an example of one of the clients that we have helped, not particularly one in Hitchin, but one nationally that we've helped, and this is his story. Mum, now deceased wife, uh, used to look after the finances. Uh, she was the one that was good with the money, where I wasn't. And I'd built up quite a lot of severe debt, unmanageable debt. So I was living in fear of eviction. I'd been served with an eviction notice from my landlords. I didn't see a way forward. I didn't see a way out of it. Um, so I decided, or I just tried to end it all. It was actually my landlords who'd mentioned Christians Against Poverty. They fast-tracked me, and my debt coach, Jim, arrived in my doorstep. Nobody had crossed the threshold. Um, I'd been living there, I think I'd been there nearly two years. So the biggest difference that Christians Against Poverty's process made for me was that it was house visits. By the July of 2016, I got that wonderful telephone call from headquarters at CAP where they said, Mr. Moss, you are now debt-free and played the harmonicas. And that's one of the great sounds I've ever heard. I then um, went on a cap event where I came to faith. This lady put her hands on, her, on my shoulder and prayed for me. Just felt an overwhelming sense of calm and peace and love and warmth that I've never experienced before. And I just knew, I just knew that what it was and committed my life to Jesus there and then. On a Sunday, I can't wait to get up for service. 
I just love the church family that I've got. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're we're closer than blood. Um, And we support each other. We live our lives for each other. We're there for each other. And I praise God and thank God for that day that I now know he watched over me when I tried to end it all. And he said, no, mate, you're not going yet. You've got lots to do. just felt such um, an overwhelming sense of wanting to give something back it's turned my life around 180 degrees um, completely structureless to you know having a real purpose in life now both of my sons in conversation saw the difference that coming to faith had made to me. Daz came up first. He was in minor crime, so he'd been in and out of prison. Anyway, he came to the service, sat at the back, listened intently. We happened to be having that evening some baptisms in Newcastle, so he chose to come along and get baptised. And I've never felt so proud in all my life. It was the proudest moment. Sorry. (sighs) Obviously it was a tragic situation for us, for the family. But the blessings for me personally is that he's found Jesus and he's taken, been taken to glory um, with his maker and he's sat up there and he's looking down on us and I'm sure he's proud of what his dad's doing. Life can still be uh, tough but I know that I've always got my church family around me to support me and I know that I've always got Jesus as my best friend And as it says, my superhero. (laughs) I wonder how many people there are in Harlow today who are sitting behind curtains and don't let anyone over their threshold, who are in difficulty. And, And as the church, it's not always easy to get through to them, you know, to access them. You know, you could put an event on, they probably wouldn't come, and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, one of the things, as I say, that Christians Against Poverty does is it actually manages to break over that barrier and so that we can actually start to see people uh, making a contact with us. And about 2,000 people every year come debt-free through... Sorry. (laughs) Debt-free through CAP... And, um, but we do other things as well, so that in Hitchin also we have a job club, 
which is set up to help those people that have been unemployed for quite some time. Now, you can do a kind of a, a job uh, morning. Uh, the, the local councils often do it, where they tell you through, this is how you go about doing a CV and all this sort of thing, then let you go and do it yourself. And again, one of the things we do, we take eight weeks to go through every single stage. You could have done it quickly, but we hold people's hands. Because a lot of these people have actually been on their own. Again, they've been isolated. They, they need community before they're going to be able to go out and do something like, like, like hold down a job. So it's really, really important that we do that. So we, we, we run job clubs. We, we've tried, again, it's not always easy to do this, to run what we call life skills courses, which are where CAP life skills take... Um, or, you know, to somebody who's on a low budget and actually explain to them how to make the best use of the money that they've got. Because actually, most people these days were never taught to budget. Yeah, you're given a credit card. You know, and, and what a danger that is. I love credit. Mean, I have a credit card. But what a danger it is in the hand of someone who has little money because they think it's real money. Do you know what I mean? And they soon find themselves in difficulty. So uh, one of our difficulties just been getting the right clientele to come to that. All right, so we're trying all sorts of different things to, to do it at the moment to try and uh, see if we can get more people to come to that. But it's, that's the kind of idea. We run the CAP money course, and this one is the CAP course that's probably touched most lives across the country, which is just basically a three-week course of, of budgeting your money. You know, when did you last sit down and work out what's coming in and what's going out? You're going to need to do it. Right now, you're going to need to do it, or else you'll find yourself in difficulty. So one of the things that's really, really useful is to actually spend you know, a couple of hours for three weeks just to be able to write down what's in, what's out, where is it going, so you can actually have a look at it and have someone uh, you know, over your shoulder who can actually give you some advice and help. So we run the CAP Money course. We run that both in person and online so that people can access it in both ways. Everything that CAP does is about giving the church a hands-on way to love people and connect with those we might not easily come into contact with us. And this is the power of generosity in action. All right? These are the sorts of things that we can do. Now, this is not, you know, CAP is not the only thing that obviously you can do to involve the people in your community, which is, you know, absolutely fine. But this is one way. And if you're interested in knowing a bit more about CAP and what we do, then I'd like to invite you around on your seats. You'll find some of these uh, leaflets called Nevertheless. All right? And uh, my uh, challenge is, so if you'd like it, we send out every month, we send out um, an email. Or if you don't get an email, you get, get it posted to you. An email of uh, what, uh, what we're doing. And the, because we're, we're very much involved in the campaigns of influencing government, trying to be fair, to, particularly to the poorest in community. And um, if you are interested, now, this is a, a thing about, um, about giving to us financially. You don't have to give, to, I'm going to talk about giving financially in a minute. To ignore the, 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 uh, the financial details at the moment. If you just fill in my details there, like that, the date you got this form, and you have to fill in the red bit as well to say how we can contact you, then one thing I'm going to be, I'm free, I'm good to do, is to give you a free copy of our book. Now, this is just an amazing book. Who's ever read Nevertheless? I'm sure somebody here must have read Nevertheless. Nobody. Oh, wow. So our founder's name was a chap called John Kirkby. Um, he started the, found, the, the, I think about 26 years ago, the, the, the charity. And uh, it's a story of faith 
like one of those stories of faith you, you read about in, in olden times, how if you read about George Muller and people like him who, you know, who had nothing and yet fed all the orphans. This is an amazing uh, story of faith in action enabling someone, because the, the first thing they had, they, they started with a gift of £10 and a rickety old computer in the top bedroom, uh, trying to help people, and from that, this amazing charity that now, as I say, it's a charity that speaks in Christ's name into the situations that we find in our community. So if you'd like it, I've got a dozen of these. I thought I had more, but I looked in the books and I haven't got enough. But the first dozen people who bring me their leaflet, signed like that, and, and uh, to, to me at the table, I've got a table out in the foyer at the back, can have a copy of my book nevertheless. You really will be blessed by reading it. But obviously, uh, every charity, every organization needs financial help. We're no exception to that. And obviously, you as good people, good Christian people, you'll be giving to your church, you'll be giving to some of the other things you give to, and that's absolutely fine. I'm not wanting you to stop doing that in any slide. But if what I've said to you this morning has touched your heart in any way, and if it's something that you might think you might like, to get involved in and help us. We call the people that help us life changers, because they really are. They really do change people's lives. And so whatever you could give, just a gift of five pounds would, would help, but whatever you could give, then obviously just fill in the details that there are like on, 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 the, uh, on the form like that. Now, if you don't have all the details with you today, just fill in your name and address uh, like that, and the details at the top, let me know that you'd like to uh, give, and we will just write to you, all right? Someone will write to you and say, please now just give us the details that you want to. So if you'd like to help us, if you'd like to get involved, and, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, just if you could do that, I would be really, really grateful if you give me those things at the back of the service, after the service. And if you want to, by the way, if you like giving online, uh, there is a, a thing here, capuk, cap.org.uk, say it again, capuk.org forward slash respond. I'll be on the day, I'll be on the desk at the back, desk, and you can actually sign up to give there should you wish to do so. But please don't get yourself into debt by giving. All right? <laughs> do you know, I sometimes find that there are Christians who give and give and give because they love to give and it's fantastic to give, but they give what they haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got, all right? Okay, so please don't do that. But if you've got something and you'd like to contribute and you'd like to help us, then I would be fantastically helpful. And if there's anything I've said today that you think maybe as a church we could get involved with, um, uh, either running a money course, you have to be trained up to do it, and I have to be trained to run, to be a debt counselor and all that sort of thing. If there's anything you might like to do, then I'm available. Talk to Colin. He's got my details. We can put you in touch with someone at CAP headquarters who can help if there's something you think would, this would be great for our church, for our community. Uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. So um, if you'd like to uh, fill in those forms, that would be absolutely fantastic. We're just going to pray now and, and ask God to... Um, just to settle in our hearts if there's any action he wants us to take today. Because ultimately, our money's his, our time is his, our lives are his. It all belongs to him. 
And we just want to be, listen, all we want you to do is obedient, isn't it? Do you, know you want to be obedient? You want to do what God wants you to do? If it's this, great. If it's something else, fantastic. Hallelujah. But if God speaks to you, that's why I'm here this morning. If God speaks to you, then uh, we need to be obedient. So let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we ask you, Lord, today for your blessing on this work. We thank you, Lord, that all over this country, Lord, there are Christians going into homes, touching the lives of people, touching the lives of those who wouldn't necessarily come to a church. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is a light house here, and we thank you for the light that shines into the community through this place. But Lord, if you're putting a seed in anyone's heart today to be more involved, I pray, Lord, that you'll just enable them to carry through the thoughts they have in their hearts. So that, Lord, they may just take part in something, Lord, that you are doing in our country today for your glory and for your honour. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And it's ten past twelve. Your dinner's safe. <laughs>